0: Welcome to The Gathering Place
1: with Blessed Is She. I'm Jenna Gizar. And I'm Beth Davis. Pull up a chair and grab a drink. Or you could just keep doing what you're doing. Pull up a chair in your heart. (laughs) Come chat with us about Jesus, prayer, community, and life. So let's get started. Hi, Jenna. Hi, Beth. Good morning. How are you? Great. I mean, it's early. It's earlier than usual. I've been up really early today. I woke up just in time to get here. It's
0: not like we're on vacation.
1: Like some people. <laughs> we're here with Father John Parks and Father John Muir, who are on vacation. Lucky and deaths. generously agreed to be with us. Good morning, fathers.
2: Good morning. Good
3: morning.
1: We're so happy that you're here. It's so fun to have you both on together. It's like we're two pals hanging out. You're two brother priests hanging out. Seems like it's going to be a great conversation. Would you mind introducing yourselves?
3: I'm Father John Muir. I'm a priest of the Diocese of Phoenix, Arizona, and I'm the pastor at a
2: wonderful parish called St. Thomas Aquinas Parish in the far west valley of Phoenix. And I'm Father John Parks. I am a priest of Phoenix. Also, I currently serve as the vicar for evangelization, and I'm the spiritual advisor to Blessed is She.
0: Wow. Quite the title. People all the time think Beth and I have been best friends for years years. And I'm like, guys, I just barely met her. (laughs) It's it's a new relationship. Kind of true. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, so I wonder, do people always say that about you two? I know you have been friends for a long time. Is that your history has been years?
3: We grew up in the same parish. Father Parks comes from a family of six kids. I come from a family of five kids. So it's just one of those situations where a lot of his siblings, and a lot of my siblings, we all kind of overlapped and sort of, sort of crossed friendships all over the place. I don't remember the actual, you know, first time I ever bumped into you. Maybe for me, eighth grade or freshman year, which would have meant you were in fourth grade.
0: Wow. <laughs> what? Grade. That's amazing. So I,
3: I'm good friend, also good friends with Father Park's brother, Tom Parks. Tom was a year behind me. We became good buddies in high school. And I think coming over to your house... He was probably sitting on the couch watching Saved by the Bell eating Doritos. As like Obviously. a fifth, fourth or fifth grader. <laughs> and you were kind of like the young, annoying brother who was kind of snot-nosed and, you know, wanting to hang out with the older, cool kids. And um, <laughs> Sounds accurate. probably how it how it began. So I probably spent the first four years of our friendship refusing to be your friend because you were like this little punk kid. I'd
2: say most of that is true.
0: Um, (laughs) It was was actually Cheetos. Cheetos. (laughs) Cheetos.
2: (laughs) That's right. So the first memory, I think, meeting Father now although really not meeting him, was when I was in eighth grade. He did a presentation for the youth group to try to get us to join the youth group. In the year 2000 on World Youth Day, I didn't go, but my family met, my mom went, my brother went. Uh, he announced that he was going to enter seminary after that. And that was the year I graduated high school. Um, I would just see him. I worked in a Catholic bookstore. So like if he was like back home, I'd run into him or whatnot, He'd visit the youth group or something. But then uh, we became closer friends when, when I became a priest. And kind of in seminary, you know, once you join seminary and then you become part of the like brotherhood, then it kind of increases. So it was always known of each other, been mild friends, but then just increased over the past, I don't know, seven, eight, nine years.
0: How many friends of yours around that time entered seminary and eventually became priests? I know it, it's a big number and it's really the beautiful witness to me to see so many young priests entering at the same time in this friendship. So how many was that at that time? Seven. Seven. We were seven.
3: So, from the, our one little youth group at St. Teresa Parish in Phoenix, uh, at one point there were seven of us in seminary, and we grew up going on retreats together and life nights and the Life Teen program. And I didn't know what to compare that to. So, at the time, I just thought it was maybe semi normal for seven guys to, you know, fall in love with the Lord and then. Uh, hear a call to go to the priesthood. It just seemed like the most normal thing in the world. I learned out later that that's not what happens at every youth group program.
0: <laughs> that's so true. Would you guys be willing to share your own vocation story? We got to know a priest
2: pretty well named Father Wall. He's now Bishop, Bishop Wall in Gallup, New Mexico. And he he would play basketball with us. I just didn't know a priest could do that, really, to be honest. <laughs> I mean, I knew they had bodies, so they'd probably play sports, but i just never seen it. And so he was really good, and he was just an awesome guy. And then Father Mir entering in 2000. And then, of course, my brother entered seminary a year before me. So all of those kind of experiences made me realize that God calls regular people to be priests. And then I had been praying a lot and just asking the Lord what he had for me. I have a memory. This is kind of already I've decided to go to seminary of a priest kind of proposing to me on behalf of the church at Fashion Square Mall. Yeah, a priest that I knew pretty well, but not super well. He's like, has anybody asked to be a priest? I want to ask you on behalf of the Catholic Church, would you consider being a Catholic priest? here I am. So, So cool. The Lord worked through all of it. For
3: me, I think our friendship in high school just gave me a network. So I remember we'd go on like discipleship retreats and in our own individual lives, we had gotten to points where we just had a real personal relationship with Jesus and we loved the church and we wanted to give our lives to him. So that was there. Becoming a priest was at least thinkable. I think for me, it was when a priest just said, I think you have a vocation to the priesthood, that kind of a bell went off. And I thought, wow, okay, that's interesting. But then our network of friends just gave me a community where if that was the case, I wouldn't be considered a complete freak. When I announced that I was going to seminary, it's not like I was going because my friends were cheering me on or something. I was going because I thought the Lord was calling me. But it was really cool to have really good friends, normal guys. They would at least kind of nod their head and say, good for you. Great. Then they all copied me and entered the seminary. <laughs> <laughs> I love
2: it. I feel like I had my conversion in early high school. And then from there, it was simply just like, what does the Lord want? You know. And as I grew in my conversion and then going to college and doing holy hours and being before the Lord in the Eucharist, it just gets to the point where like, Lord, I want to give you my life. So just let me know what it is that you want, you know? That doesn't make every step easy, but at least you know what he's asking. You're like, well, that's what the Lord's asking me, so I'm going to take the next step. That all logically follows falling in love.
1: I just spent some time with family that I really love, and they had a big party, and I met a ton of their friends, and it was really beautiful to see that they're all kind of doing life together. They're all daily communicants, and they all go to regular confession, and they're raising their kids in a certain way, it does mean so much when there's a culture of Catholicism around you. Like you were saying, Father Mir, that you could say, hey, I'm considering this, and people say, that seems right. People who are also actively discerning whether it's their vocation or just the Lord's will in their lives, it makes such a difference. So I'm curious, how do you two encourage one another in your vocation? You were a great support, like in that discernment process, but now that you're both here in your priesthood, how do you do that?
2: Well, I would say, first off, Father Mir is a gift to me because he, he loves the Lord. And so just when I ask him, like, how was your day today? You know, he's going to tell me things like, you know, I, I did a holy hour this morning. I got up. So living like a, a life of just loving the Lord, a life of balance. So I was in a lot of ways. I mean, first of all, just a witness to each other about trying to be faithful to the Lord, trying to pray, trying to keep up the intellectual life, try to keep a balanced life. Also with that, just growing in virtue. We're just honest about, you know, where we can get better at following the Lord, being honest about that. I'd also say because we're in the kind of the same craft, like something like preaching we really value, we talk a lot about that, you know, about like, what are you preaching about? Just want to get better as a priest, get better at the teaching office, sanctifying office. So let's say in all those ways, it's been a help. Yeah. Thoughts? When I was in college,
3: a friend of mine was going on a backpacking trip around Europe. And he said, I don't see the point of going on this adventure if I don't have someone to share it with. So do you want to go with me? And I was like, all right, let's go. So to me, that's a little bit of a good way to think about the priesthood. The priesthood is such a joyful life. I mean, there's even something joyful about the sorrows you experience. And I just couldn't imagine going on this adventure without great, great priestly friends. There is the, what Father Park said, you help each other with the skills of the priesthood, for lack of a better word, like the preaching and the intellectual life, and that's a huge part of it. But then there's also just the joy of just having guys in your life that are kind of cheering you on, and you can just get together and share your life together. I think with our priest friends, what's what's really cool is people who don't know what priests are really like because they never hang out with them, they think that when we get together, we just kind of put the priesthood aside, you know? Like on our day off, we sort of ignore the priesthood or something. But actually... When we have a day off where we all get together for food or just to hang out or we have like a great time together as priests. I mean, I forgot your first name was John for like a few years. (laughs) I mean, we'll call each other Father Parks and Father Muir and we're not being super formal. I think it's that we really love the fact that our good friends are priests. I just love it when I see my priest friends loving the priesthood.
0: I think it's really neat to hear you say that it's just your identity it doesn't come off there's not like a cape that comes off it is who you are i can't even imagine the graces that you have from the sacrament and from what you get to do every single day and offer to people and what you experience even in those sorrows there's just so much grace that you have and that's not an identity i would think you could take off so that's really beautiful to hear
3: yeah have you ever been to an ordination yes For Catholics who don't know, one of the first things that happens to you right after you become a priest is you receive a kind of, it's called the kiss of peace, but it's a fraternal embrace or a fraternal hug. And so when we were ordained priests, you know, like 200 priests get up in a line to give you this brotherly embrace. And that really signifies, I think, what the life is like. A lot of people will focus on, as an individual, you're sort of pulled out of your community. You're pulled out of your parish and you're, you're launched on this adventure. So there is an individuality to it, but you're also brought into this incredible brotherhood. But it also takes a lot of dedication and focus because I think we both know priests who have gotten isolated or they think they're just lone rangers. And A, I think that just makes the whole experience of being a priest less enjoyable. And I think B, it also makes it sort of unsustainable in the long run. It's not realistic because we really are part of this family I mean, you can't be best friends or close friends with 200 people. I mean, that's just not how life is. But I think in my life, there's probably, say, 10 to 20 brothers in the priesthood that I really have sort of made a a choice to really support them and love them, to try to share my life. The guy sitting to my right is one of those people. Can I ask you a question? Sure, yes. Even for Catholics who kind of love the faith, love the priesthood, want to support priests, what do you think is the typical vision or understanding of what priest friendships are like? Or now, given the current context, are there a lot of suspicions that priests don't have healthy friendships? What do you think is are some of the understandings there in the minds of normal Catholics?
1: I think I've been really lucky because I've been in full-time ministry for most of my adult life. Working at a parish and especially having seminarians come and work for the summer, it was such a gift to get to know them and to see their friendship and then to celebrate with them at their ordination, and now to know so many good, healthy, holy priests who are together in community, striving to be who God called them to be. That's now my norm, praise God. But I think that's a very privileged place. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure.
0: I think everyone is always kind of trying to hypothesize what someone else's life is like. So I have a few different kind of examples of those that came to mind as you were both talking Is One, I think I don't know what my pastor wants from me. You know, I don't know how he wants support from me. And I think that that's probably a common understanding of parishioners is I don't quite know how to integrate him into my life. And then on the flip side, too, Beth and I have gotten to go, you know, around the country on retreats and be in some rural parishes where a priest is actually physically isolated and my heart aches for them. And I just wonder if they're getting support, if they're looking for support. And I think that's where the suspicion starts for me. But this is probably a personality thing. I think I do err on the side of suspicion. And that makes me sad. And I think that's why it's such a beautiful witness to see priests be friends. I was relating it to the reason I started Blessed is She. We're all, in some ways, can be isolated. And we have to step out and become friends and look for friendships. What a gift that is to my life to have friends that are pursuing holiness has changed my life. I can assume that would be the same for priests because priests are people too. Beth and I have been promoting and loving the Seven Sisters apostolate.
3: Yeah, thanks. About seven months ago at my parish, it got started. So thank you for promoting it. Amazing. Praise praise the the Lord.
0: I think it can kind of seem flippant, like, oh, we should pray for priests. But this is something that tangibly we can do. And it's just been really beautiful for
1: my life. Or even we can really support praying for vocations, like new vocations. So the Seven Sisters apostolate is teams of seven women. It can be a group of your friends. It could all be parishioners at your same church who would spiritually adopt a priest for a year. And then each of those seven women would do a holy hour a week on a prescribed day solely for the intentions of the priest that they've adopted. It's been incredible to teach us how to intercede, to unite our hearts to Christ, and to ask the Lord to hold these priests. There's no responsibility on us. We're just asking the Lord to do what he already wants to do, which is to draw this priest even deeper into his sacred heart.
0: How is that on the flip side for you, since both of you have the seven sisters groups?
2: Yeah, I would say it's added kind of a new confidence in that if I have like a talk coming up or just something in my life that I'm a little nervous about, or I just really need the Lord. I'll just think about those graces and I'll just get excited. Like, Lord, give me some of that right now. It's just a real consolation to know that somebody is praying for you all the time. And then, you know, something good happens in my life or I'm blessed in some way. You know, I wonder, is it because of those graces, you know, that somebody's praying for me and You know, ultimately, it's about my deeper conversion, that I would love the Lord deeper. And so when I find myself falling more in love with the Lord, I'm like, Lord, if it's those women, bless them. I think the biggest mistake
3: well-intentioned Catholics make when it comes to caring about priests is they think we want comfort. So, hey, Father, do you want to come over and eat? Do you want to come on a vacation? Do you need some money? You look tired. You should rest more. But see... What we don't really need is comfort. What we need is courage. Our job is to die with and through Jesus for our people. And that's an exciting task, you know? Yeah. And I don't mean that in just a dramatic way, like being a martyr. I mean, daily, we're spiritual fathers, and that's a great adventure. So we don't want to be coddled. We don't want to be comforted. We want to be encouraged and lifted up. So like the Seven Sisters apostolate, for me, it's powerful because I believe the women in my parish are praying for me like good spiritual mothers. And a good mother doesn't protect her child. She pushes them out of the house and says, go have an awesome adventure. Go fight for the people you love. Don't be afraid to get hurt. I've got good friends. I come from a good family that loves me. I, I don't feel super lonely all the time. You know, I don't feel probably more lonely than your typical human being. But what I do need is people in my life to pray for me, to cheer me on, to say, don't become a bachelor. Don't use the church for your own pleasure or comfort, but lay your life down for the church.
1: I don't know that every average Catholic woman listening to this podcast has met priests who do see their vocation as an opportunity to be heroic, to live an incredible, courageous life for the Lord. That's why I love Seven Sisters so much
0: is because you can feel like I do want to do something for Father. I love him. I appreciate him. This is something tangible that is worth so much to be able to sit in front of the Blessed Sacrament just for your priest's intentions, for his courage, for his holiness. It's flipped the script for me from feeling helpless and feeling like, I don't think Father wants to come to my house with my four kids, or I don't cook, so I can't make him dinner, (laughs) whatever it is. But this is something tangible I can do and just offer so much grace and support for him in that way. And even if you are in a rural area where – you do see an, uh, your priest who's isolated or seemingly doesn't have many priest friends. You can sit in front of the Blessed Sacrament and pray for friends for him. Totally. You can pray for his holiness there. And the Lord is the one who will deliver all that he needs. That's good stuff, Jenna. Well, praise the Lord.
2: I was recently reading a reflection by Monsignor Lorenzo Albacetti, who is a priest who was also a member of Communion Liberation. And one of the things you would often ask is, what do you desire out of life? What do you want? And a way to answer that question, he just said, is imagine that you're dying. And what kind of life would you need to have lived to have make the judgment on your life that my life was good? Any man's heart would not say, my life was so comfortable. Ergo, it was good. (laughs) But rather, a man would make the judgment my life was good insofar as it was heroic, it had integrity, I give my life as a ransom for many, so on and so forth. And so I think that's one of the beauties of this apostolate is when Women tell you that, that they're praying for you. It makes me want to be heroic. Somebody with kids that finds time to make a holy hour in a week is making a huge sacrifice to do that. And that alone is convicting to say, well, am I making that kind of sacrifice for the people in my life to love?
3: Yeah, just to piggyback on that, I don't know if you experience this, but sometimes people will come up to us and say something which is beautiful, but I've often found it not real helpful. And here's what they'll say. Father, what can I pray for for you? And sometimes that's after Mass, and my first instinct is that I can just get out of here and go take a nap because I'm exhausted. (laughs) It's so open-ended. Yeah. Yeah. But I've never been asked this by a Catholic, but I think it might be more helpful. There has to be some trust, and it has to be in the right context. But if if someone said to me, hey, Father Muir, I'm just kind of curious, what's the Lord doing in your life, and what's he doing in the parish? Hopefully, I'm, I'm, I'm praying enough each day to be able to answer that question. So like right now, one of the things the Lord's doing in my life is inviting me to just do more intercessory prayer for the parish. So just to not pray kind of for myself and my own spiritual needs, but to really sit down in front of the blessed sacrament, just to lift up to him all of the people I should be praying for. So if I said that to someone, hey, the Lord's inviting me to spend a lot more time praying for the parish. Could you ask God to give me that grace? Because it's one thing to know you should be doing it. It's another thing to actually change your schedule to do it. So that question, I think, would be really interesting. And I don't think priests would say, why are you asking me invasive questions? (laughs) You know, hopefully they would say, I think the Lord's doing this in the parish. I think he's doing this in my life. And please pray that I have the grace to accept it. You know the Pieta statue in St. Peter's? That's an image of how you can really support priests. Our lady isn't coddling Jesus. She's holding him and she's meditating on how his suffering in his death is redeeming the world. So that's one way
2: to love a priest.
0: What's the Lord doing in your heart, Father Parks?
2: I feel in my life, particularly that the Lord is uh, really calling me to boldness. Shortly after I was named the vicar for evangelization, uh, Father Michael Scanlon died. And I felt the Lord ask me read his biography, which I read shortly thereafter. And then recently, a few people in my life kept coming and asking me about the biography of Mother Angelica. So I just read her biography. And both of them were incredibly bold for the Lord. So something Mother Angelica used to say is, unless we're willing to do the ridiculous, the Lord will not do the miraculous. But also both of them are deeply rooted in prayer. I mean, these people were children of the Lord. I have high awareness of relational things. So I'm good at forming relationships with people and building trust pretty quickly. And I think the Lord is trying to teach me how to leverage that uh, for his kingdom, to just invite somebody to go deeper with the Lord.
0: Jenna? Beth, what about you? What's the Lord doing in your life?
1: I was asking you. I already asked. You interrupted The full question me. came out. You know, I've been sitting with just a moment that I had in prayer where the Lord was just asking me to allow Him to hold me like His little daughter. There's some resistance to that. You know, I would rather talk through some things and have some answers than just allow Him to father my heart. It comes up daily, and I try to sit with it a little bit every day. So I guess if I were to sum that up, it would be an invitation to trust and to surrender. What about you, Jenna?
0: Well, I just go to the chapel and feel like a deep exhale. I literally feel like I'm the most tightly wound person. Oh my gosh, I'm going to start crying. Being in front of the Blessed Sacrament is just like the only place to let it go.
1: Peace and rest. Yeah. Sounds like. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, friend. I mean, I think it's a beautiful question, not only for the priests in your life, but every person needs to give some thought and pay attention, really, to what the Lord is doing. And we don't always have that kind of a question that invites us to really examine it.
0: Ask one person today. She might cry.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And that would be okay. Yes. So we actually have a a little silly thing that we want to do to just end our conversation together. It's a rapid fire round.
0: We've never done this before. Yeah, this is new. Okay, Father Muir, you're going to go first. I'm going to ask you some questions. And do you know what a rapid fire is? It's where
3: I just talk as long as I possibly can.
0: (laughs) That's it. You got it. Okay, ready? Yes. Okay. Favorite book?
3: Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis.
0: Best concert you've ever been to?
3: REM Monster Tour 1996.
0: What's your biggest pet peeve?
3: People who leave half a cup of Greek yogurt in the Greek yogurt container. Just eat the whole thing and then throw it away and go buy another. Don't just leave half a serving.
0: What's the best piece of advice you've ever received?
3: Don't be afraid to fail.
0: I love that advice. Favorite day of the week?
3: I like Friday.
0: First celebrity crush.
3: Uh, Rachel from the real world on MTV Rachel compost was her name and she had Arizona connections and she did some things with life teen afterwards I didn't know she was Catholic on the show I just knew that I was completely infatuated with her mind you this is way before I was a seminarian or a priest yes I was just like a high school kid
0: (laughs) would you rather be besties with Thomas Aquinas or John Paul II
3: that's a hard one I'm gonna go with Thomas especially since he's my patron saint at the parish where I am but I love JP too that was a brutal question ladies Why can't we tickle ourselves? Because the essence of tickling is surprise.
0: Wow. You had a real answer to that? We just giggled. If your house was on fire, what three things would you save?
3: The fire extinguisher, my cell phone, and
0: my wallet. Who would play Father Parks in the movie version of his life? A young George Clooney. Because George Clooney can
3: do the eyebrow. That's key.
0: All right. Sounds good. Describe yourself as a teenager in three words. Uh, Arrogant, ignorant,
3: and adventurous.
0: Who takes longer to prepare for their homilies?
3: I would say Father Parks does. And I say that to my
0: shame. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, last one. Living person who most inspires you. I'd say my dad. I think I try to model my priesthood after
3: the way my dad raised me and treats me even to this day and the way my dad loves my mom so much. I try to love my parish the same way my dad loves my mom. I don't do a great job of it, but my dad's my my hero and my
0: my model. Yeah. That is so cool.
1: Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. Thanks, Father. Okay, Father Parks, you're up. Okay. Dark chocolate or milk chocolate?
2: Dark chocolate. No question.
1: Who texts first? You or Father Muir?
2: I'm going to say Father Muir.
1: Say a word in Spanish.
2: My favorite words in Spanish are be muñeca, which means doll, or amoroso, which means lovely.
1: The saint who has most inspired you.
2: Probably St. Therese or St. Anthony of Padua.
1: Favorite U.S. city besides the one you live in.
2: Probably Washington, D.C.
1: Wow, Beth said that yesterday, too. That's my answer, too. How crazy. Yeah. How long does it take you to get ready?
2: Uh, longer than it should. Probably like 30 minutes. 30 minutes. Well, that that's is everything. really long. Shaving, shaving, oh. shaving. Is, that a, is that a long or a low, little time?
0: That's just fine. I wasn't thinking about
1: showering. That does take a while. Yeah. <laughs> if you could have any three people over to dinner, dead or alive, who would it be?
2: Uh, G.K. Chesterton. Probably Mark Twain. Uh, John Adams' wife. I- Abigail Adams.
1: <laughs> who would play Father Muir in the movie version of his life?
2: If you were a better actor, I think Jimmy Fallon could do it. They have similar gifts, skills with music, and they're clever. So, yeah.
1: Is there such a thing as objective beauty? Yes. Go-to karaoke song?
2: Uh, Probably Don't Stop Believing.
1: If you had one superpower, what would it be?
2: Uh, Probably to know every language in the world.
1: What does a person need to be happy?
2: The Lord. And by that, I mean they need purpose.
1: What's your favorite online Catholic women's ministry?
2: (laughs) Uh, It's busted as she.
0: I feel like Father Parks' questions were way easier.
3: His were easier, and I also had to go first. So
0: Yeah, Yeah, that is
1: scarier. Father Muir, Father Parks, we're so grateful that you would take this time with us and chat. Thanks for being on the show.
3: Thanks for having us. Thanks a lot. It was a joy being with you.
1: Yeah. And thank you for your priesthood, your commitment to the church and to Jesus Christ. It inspires me. So thanks.
3: Thank you. Please pray for us and we'll keep blessed as in
2: our prayers as well.
1: Thanks, thank you. Father. Father Parks, would you mind closing us in prayer?
2: Yes. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. God, our Father, we thank you for the gift of this day, the gift of faith, the gift of this present moment. We ask that we hear in our hearts as your beloved sons and daughters the heroic call to be people of love, to give our lives as a gift, that we might do this in freedom as your sons and daughters. And we pray this, Jesus, through your most holy name. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
0: Thanks so much for gathering with us here on the Blessed Is She podcast. Send over all your questions using the Anchor app. We'd love to hear from you. Connect with us at blessedishe.net slash community and join us on all
1: your favorite social media platforms. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. I love Twitter. Until next time.